Welcome to Food for Thought at Loaves and Fishes. My name is David Hott, the CEO of Loaves and Fishes, and I'm honored to spend time with you talking about things that matter in our community, specifically helping to feed the need. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. We had a wonderful individual on our podcast, Will Dittmer of Extra Food, who does the same work that we do at Loaves and Fishes with food recovery in our a la carte food recovery program. And we're going to talk about a conversation that's near and dear to both he and I and other food recovery agencies specifically, and that is funding. You know, we have this wonderful law, SB 1383, that was such a wonderful idea, and we all have been actively participating in effort to try to keep the funding going for this particular support of this law while feeding people and keeping food out of the landfill. So, anywho, without further ado, let me introduce you to Will. Will, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and make an introduction? Thanks, David. Uh, Will Dittmar, Executive Director at Extra Food. We're one of those food recovery organizations trying to make sure that we can support the successful implementation of SB 1383. We've been doing food recovery for 10 years now, and I like to think we're pretty good at it. So excited about this conversation. I'm excited about talking about the opportunities and also challenges that exist in the funding space for food recovery. You know, I come to this work and... uh, My position at Extra Food with experience in government and government relations. Uh, I started my career in Washington, D.C., and then also food programs and systems, having worked uh, for a number of organizations in the food and nutrition space. So uh, I like to think that I have had the opportunity to sit at both sides of the table when it comes to legislative authorized programs, and uh, therefore I'm familiar with, and I'd say not too surprised by where we currently sit with the existence of SB 1383 and implementation, but I know we'll talk about some of the realities and challenges of that here in a minute. Yeah, thank you, Will. And so true. And, and you know, to the audience, Will and I have become more actively involved in efforts to try to help to support both our organizations and we're involved with activities on committees and discussions and ideas about how to support the activity that both of our organization uh, is involved in. And, you know, you mentioned about legislation and we have talked about SB 1383 and the need to continue to support this wonderful law. The challenge with this particular uh, legislation is that there wasn't truly a defined way to pay for the activities. And so food recovery organizations have had to find creative ways to fund this activity. And, you know, Will, I don't know if you've found the same experience. You know, I know at Loaves and Fishes, it's been a challenge to try to share a cost with a food generator And it seems to me like there are a lot of app ideas and a lot of of plans on how to capture the data. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of conversation about, okay, so those organizations that are paying the individuals that are doing the work on the ground, how do we continue to support those both organically based organizations that are grassroots, that are doing the work on the street? And how do we share a cost? Have you had the same experience? Yeah, and I mean, I think it's a 
It is a tricky conversation, particularly because this space has been so underfunded, supported, recognized for so long. And so largely it's been left to, I don't want to say band-aids and bubble gum, because that means that that <laughs> it hasn't been underappreciated by the communities that are built by our organizations and fellow grassroots nonprofits, regardless of how large or small your staff or volunteer base is. But it's largely been left to the generosity of our communities and private funders to support this work. And while that has been amazing, it's meant that we've had to exist in the realities of what that funding looks like. And to create a true cost, you're not budgeting based on what might be the most necessary capacity. You're budgeting based on what resources you have available. And our resources, we find sustainability through wonderful foundations and individuals who get what we're trying to do, care about food insecurity or or the environment, but it's not through some of those traditional larger structures that some other organizations in the food insecurity space or climate space are able to tap into. Yeah, so true. And we're familiar with that feeling as well. You know, we are very fortunate that we have our own donor partners that help us to support the activity. The challenge is how do we continue to maintain and sustain right? Mm -hmm. We've got all this wonderful energy in this awareness and understanding of how important it is to recover food and give it to those who need that food, which in turn keeps it out of the ground, which in turn that domino effect helps to support the effort of reducing GHG into our atmosphere. You know, so we could, you know, I'm the hippie with short hair. I want to help save mother earth. The practical side of what we do in our organizations is that we do the work of creating the relationship and then also do the work of picking up those items that would otherwise go into the landfill and we provide them to the communities that we support. And you're so right. There are so many people that are doing such wonderful work that support the effort. The challenge is, is you know, again, I go back to at least my challenge and our challenge is how do we continue to expand because there's so many opportunities for food recovery. You know, we can message what we can do to be more responsible. We can talk about trying to determine what capacities are necessary to expand upon. However, the day-to-day -day activity of me coming to your agency in a vehicle, picking up those items that otherwise would go into the landfill, and then bringing those out to the community partners that we help to support, that we have agreements with, right, we, we've got to fund that. Right. That's an activity we've got to keep going. And, and I know you may feel the same way. So could you tell me a bit more about your experience with trying to keep a sustained funding source available for the activity that both of our organizations are involved in? Yeah. So, I mean, any nonprofit leader, I think, will be familiar with the need for fundraising and development, of course. Um, what we try and make sure we do is measure our data thoroughly so that we can provide clear metrics and impact reports to our funders and show the impact that they are helping create, not just on food insecurity, the amount of food recovered and then donated to those who we are privileged to serve, the translation of that into meals, but also on the environmental side, because in food recovery, 
the other huge part of the equation is the waste that we are diverting, the healthy, nutritious food that we are keeping from ending up in landfill and rather into empty bellies. So we measure all of that. We quantify it. We ensure that our funders see that their dollars are being used wisely the amount of funding that goes into programs and the return on investment that they're getting in terms of cost per meal and things of, of that nature. I think the other important thing to note, and this kind of goes back to your last question, is I have that data for my organization. David, I'm sure you do for yours, and there are many others that do for theirs. But because we don't have those large federal appropriated and authorized programs like food and nutrition services do for child and adult care food programs, summer food service programs, school meal programs, there isn't a determined price per meal, price per pickup, anything of that nature that is kind of written in stone that food recovery organizations can point to. And until we can get to a place where we have greater recognition by these public agencies to help quantify the actual dollar value of our work, food recovery organizations are going to have to come together and, and sort of share what that cost looks like and the reality of it. So while we, again, while we do that at Extra Food, we communicate that to our donors, that return on investment to ensure that they are ready and willing to come back to the table each and every year and provide that sustainability for us. Yeah, and very valid points. And, you know, on our a la carte program of loaves and fishes, we face the same thing, right? And I love that recently, you know, you and I have been involved in some conversations with other thought leaders, other executive directors that do food recovery. You know, there's some really wonderful ideas that are coming to the table to talk about how we can share best practices. You know, in this space, I have found that there's, I'll call it uncomfortability of sharing best practices because we're concerned about where that funding's coming from, and there's only a certain pot of funding that's available, and we need to determine, all right, so how do we pivot that lovely pandemic phrase that everybody loves to hate? Um, how do we determine the right way, the right language? How can we work together? And I find that the energy that you and, and the group that we're involved in uh, are, are trying to put forward as a conversation is trying to find creative ways to do it together. Because I believe that if we collaborate, we can do it together to get to those conversations, to have those necessary discussions, to develop policies and line items within budgets for both local jurisdictions and county governments and state budgets to help us support the funding necessary to sustain these programs. So what has been your experience? I know we've we've had some really good conversations. Can you tell me anything that you're working on now that would help our audience to know what we're doing today to try to work together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, one, I think collective impact and action is critical right now for food recovery organizations. We We have to come together. And it's something that is quite frankly overdue. You know, when you look around at other organizations that are on the periphery of our space or overlap in certain areas of our mission, you will see that sort of collective action having been implemented decades ago. And the fruit of that labor is clear in, in the sense that you can see funding streams that are dedicated for you know, other large national state food insecurity focused organizations. So 
if you are not talking to other folks in your space with that honest and open approach, I feel like you're doing yourself and your organization a disservice when you think about sustainability in the long term. The other piece I would say is with SB 1383 particularly, the structure of it has CalRecycle passing a lot of the work to local municipalities. You need to be talking to those municipalities, whatever that joint powers authority is in your area. Make sure they know who you are. Make sure you know who is calling the shots, influencing any funding that is coming through them and implementing SB 1383, because those are the folks right now that you'll have to work with to ensure not only is food recovery uh, as strong as possible in your area, but that the work being done is being recognized in a financial way. So, you know, I I don't want to say, you know, if you're listening to this, call David or me, uh, but please, I'd love to yeah, talk if to you're you. Listening to, yeah. yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, absolutely call Will or myself, because he talks about that organic collaboration. And, you know, we're two individual leaders in our organizations that are willing to say, that more of us need to come together to talk about real world solutions. And if you've got ideas, share them, right? We all are trying to figure out ways to sustain these programs. We have teams that we have salaries to pay and we wanna continue to do that. We have organizations that provide such wonderful items that we can use within our meals in our prepared meal program. Like, so we're looking at creative ways to use what we receive. We need to talk about ways that we can not only do that, but also bring ideas to the table related to how we keep those funding sources flowing. Connections, people you may know, things that you may be doing on your own side. Sorry, Will, I couldn't help myself. You know, Will and I connect and talk about these things to try to come up with solutions together. As Will said, reach out to Will. If I scare you as the hippie with short hair, call Will, right? And, and in the end, as a collective, we can come together to figure out some really cool solutions. So, Will, I, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. You just pushed a button and I, I had to go. No, I, and I mean, <laughs> I would love to see nothing more than food recovery organizations in, in the state of California, but even more broadly, coming together with uh, legislative agenda and action. We can and should share best practices that we can use locally with our funding bases and, and regional and, and national foundations. But if we can create stronger public partnerships and therefore public-private partnerships, we're going to rise the tide and therefore lift all boats. Yeah, and to that end, we should probably talk about what the reality of that looks like now. And I don't mean what current legislative action by food recovery organizations look like, but what the, the current landscape for funding and particularly under SB 1383 looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And have candid conversation about the fact that it seems as though it, it doesn't get considered in some of our uniquely created budgets. So I think it's just calling that out. We seem to be considered last. Yeah. And I think it's a bumpy, challenging conversation to have. I know that everyone has someone that they report to. And I realize I'm not trying to blame it on any one agency or say it's any one individual's fault. A solution has to come from the group. The solution has to come from the public and at all, right? All of us together, collectively coming up with solutions. Will, 
Can you tell me about any organizations or groups that you're working with recently or that you're working on at present to help to support the efforts that we, we, we're looking for champions? Are, are you doing things to try to create those said champions? Yes. So in the spirit of collective action and advocacy, the California Food Recovery Coalition is a newly started and growing coalition of food recovery organizations. The purpose and our our goals are pretty straightforward. And I think one that anybody working in food recovery would agree with. We, We want to raise public awareness about the unique work that our organizations are doing educate policymakers about the value of our work, collect legislative champions to further it. Uh, Of course, continue to recover nutritious surplus food and redistribute it to those in needs, reduce the impact of greenhouse gas emission and lessen the burden of climate change. And as it relates to this conversation, most importantly, create sustainable funding for food recovery organizations. We've been meeting now for almost a year, I think, to create the structure for what this coalition will look like. And now it's time to grow that membership, right? And make sure that anybody doing this work, those stakeholders have a seat at this table so that we can make sure we're talking with one collective voice and advocating for our work as a unit. Yeah. And Will and I are involved in that effort. And there's a a wonderful group of thought leaders that are trying to create creative ideas to approach a very unique topic. And I'll, I'll go out there and say it. There is a lot of activity that's available to other agencies that isn't necessarily available to our food recovery organizations. And there isn't as much awareness of what actually happens within the activities of food recovery agency for our legislators. So this group of individuals is trying to come together and talk about that. How do we get a seat at the table to talk truly about what is necessary to continue this wonderful activity that we're, we're continuing with? And so to those listeners that are listening to this podcast, If you have questions, reach out to Will, reach out to myself. We can talk more about that because we're looking for more individuals to get involved. And we're trying to also, you know, there are spaces that receive funding that are on a light item. And we receive support from our, our, our partners as well, right, from those specifically funded agencies. This conversation is about food recovery organizations, This is what we focus on. This is what we do as an organization. We want to find ways to help to support the activity of food recovery specifically. So, Will, again, I stole your thunder. No, it's great. The heart and soul of what we're trying to do is make sure that we can all provide input and strengthen our collective voice. You know, the reality is exactly what you said. When you look around for food recovery funding, particularly in the public space, there isn't a lot, if any, dedicated for food recovery. Now, that doesn't mean food recovery organizations aren't getting public funding. I want to be be clear about that. Nothing close to what, let's say, a food bank would receive. But in order to access that funding, you are sometimes having to stretch yourself from your original mission. You are having to compete against other wonderful nonprofit organizations, but that are not doing food recovery. So you're going after maybe local county grants that are for community partnership or things of that nature. There is not dedicated funding for food recovery. And why should there be dedicated funding for food recovery? Because 30% of the food in this country is wasted. 
30% of the food Shit. that could be consumed is going into the landfill. So that food is already produced and ready to go. And it's food recovery organizations that are best suited to recover any and every type of food item and make sure that they get to people who need it. So we are not just addressing food insecurity on a day-to-day basis. We are also addressing the incredible damages that are done to our climate, to each and every one of us by 30% of our food. Again, I'll say 30% of the food we produce ending up in the landfill. We have such an obvious approach. People who work in this space, volunteers, for example, when they get involved, they say, this is so obvious. Why is this not everywhere? And it's not everywhere because we have not taken the appropriate steps to ensure that everybody knows about it. That is what this coalition, this group, what we as food recovery organizations have to be doing. And when we do that, when we build up that awareness, when we build up the access to resources, we will also strengthen our ability to get further private resources because those public-private partnerships, those foundations, those individuals will be further aware of us. And when they think, I want to help the environment or I want to help food insecurity, they're not just going to the first player that pops up in their mind right now. They're going to this really amazing body of work that is, again, underrecognized, underrepresented, and we're not speaking loudly enough about. Yeah, hear, hear. And we'll thank you for that because, you know, there's been so much activity and willingness thereof to fund plans, to fund capacity studies, to fund app activity to collect data. Will's organization and our organization created our own app. (laughs) We don't need an app. (laughs) We have the app. There's this need to change the conversation. It seems that for me, and at least from my experience, that there's more of a willingness to give that funding to somebody that can create a report (laughs) versus food recovery organizations that are actually doing the work that can provide data directly to them that have the ability through their app and their data collection systems to provide the same thing, however, at the same time feeding the need, (laughs) right? And making all of those inroads on how to be creative about that. And so I don't know about you, Will, but I'm a little frustrated that there's this wonderful willingness to support an activity-based or a report-based system to collect the data. Wonderful. Thank you. Very necessary. Less of a willingness to take on the more difficult task of figuring out how to support the activity that is actually happening, doing the work, driving the truck, paying for the insurance, paying the salaries for the people that in fact are doing the work on the day-to-day basis in the rain, in the snow, (laughs) right? So it's I could sit behind my computer and create reports and send reports, or I could get involved in the day-to-day activity of food recovery. And I know our agencies are doing both. And sometimes we're doing it ourselves, right, Will? So that for me has been a frustration. I I don't know about you. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I want to thank any food recovery organization that's listening to this or just out there doing the work because you quite likely have a logistics system and data collection system and you can furnish those reports and do all those pieces and you're still choosing to take the revenue that you do produce if you're doing it for free through donations, if you're doing it through fee-for-service, through that program service revenue, and you're reinvesting it in those operations to continue doing it. And we've all made that choice that we are going to be guided by our mission and the people that we are privileged to serve. And we're not going to sacrifice 
that duty to just further look for dollars. And the dollars in this space right now are going to furnishing reports, which again, thank you. Those reports are critical. But in order to furnish those reports, the work's got to get done. Yeah, the same, same. And it, it's it's so I hope that if you're listening, please don't misunderstand my passion for a lack of appreciation. There has been some wonderful work that's been done in our space, and all of us have collectively worked very hard at that. It's time for a different type of conversation. The call to action for me is to, all right, we've had enough planning. <laughs> we've had enough conversation. We've created enough systems. Now let's just get to the place where we need to have a different conversation. And I feel like the energy that's behind the coalition that Will has referred to will help us to get to the table and have those conversations with legislators. Not everybody understands food recovery. <laughs> Not everybody understands the need and 30% <laughs> could go into bellies versus into the ground. Not everybody understands that. It may just not be on the radar. So my hope is that our conversations can help bring that to light and help you, if you're listening, talk to your cousin or your mother or your friend or somebody that you know that has a restaurant or has some need for support related to food recovery, reaching out to food recovery organizations. The other thing is to think about ways that you can help to support the activity that's going on out in the community at large. So you know, Will, I, I am so grateful that we've been able to think through some of the challenges that we both face. What would you say is something that you'd like to leave our listeners with that reflects the energy that I think we're both trying to get out into the ether? <laughs> yeah, you know, the numbers. 30% of food is wasted. Food insecurity rates haven't changed over the last couple of decades. In my area, one in four people are at risk of not knowing where their next meal will come from. That's one in three seniors and children. The need to provide these resources is there. The resources to be provided are there. Food recovery organizations sit in the middle and connect the dots. Now, traditionally, that funding has come from incredibly generous and understanding individuals, family foundations, corporations in some cases. And now with SB 1383, we as a, the state of California, as citizens have a decision to make. Do we want to see this law implemented with fidelity? And this law states that we are going to be better stewards of our environment and better stewards of those who are food insecure. If the answer is yes, I want to see that happen. It is for me. I think it is for most people. I love California for the progressive nature of legislation like this that they put out. We've got to decide, are we going to find these sources of funding at the state level? Are we going to find them at the corporate level through the teeth and the financial mechanisms? Or are we going to find it at the individual food recovery level? Regardless of what you think or where you think that purse should sit, we have to effectively implement SB 1383. And to effectively implement it, people need to understand what food recovery is, what food recovery looks like, and how food recovery can be effectively administered throughout our areas. So for those of you in this space, thank you. Please keep up the good work. Let's you know work together to make sure we find a solution that works for all of us. For those of you who are listening to this podcast who are not familiar with that work and, and, and this space, please 
take some time just to look loaves and fishes and David up, look extra food up, look up your local food recovery organization and either get involved yourself or help be an advocate for this work and the benefits that it provides to each and every one of the communities we live in. Thank you, Will. Well said. And I have a phrase that I say that is a shift in my language. You know, we've gone from advocacy that I believe we needed to do. We need to go to being activists, Mm -hmm. um, in my humble opinion. Advocacy was so helpful to get us to where we are. We need to activate a different energy behind this effort. And so for Loaves and Fishes, I know that We're going to continue to expand the relationships. I look forward to many more conversations with other individuals that are working in the space. And as Will said, I know there's some wonderful work that's happening out there. And I thank you. Without those efforts at the grassroots level, I would not be where I'm at today. And I know that when Dr. Nancy Fishman talked to me about the a la carte food recovery program and I said, yes, that my life changed because I was not aware of the opportunity that was out there. And so if you need more information, please, as Will said, reach out to Will, reach out to myself. I'll make sure that his information is listed on the podcast in our links. I wanna thank you, Will, for your time and for bringing this conversation as our maiden voyage for this new launch of our, our newest and continued podcast. If something that you've heard in today's discussion helps to ignite some excitement, please reach out to us and please get involved. Get involved. Because you know, just putting words or reports to a solution really doesn't do anything. <laughs> get involved. I'll come put you in a truck and we can do some food recovery if you'd like. (laughs) So, Will, again, thank you so much. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me and for raising up your voice and using your platform to share a little bit about the work we're all doing. Right on. We'll see each other, I'm sure, very soon. And again, great work that you and your organization is doing. And let's really charge up the energy behind both of our efforts. Thanks, David. All right, you take good care. And to the listeners, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. I appreciate your time and consideration with all the podcasts that are out there in the ether. I thank you for choosing this one. Remember that if you'd like to be part of the conversation, please contact me directly at david at loavesfishes.org. Together, we can accomplish many things. And I hope the conversation that you heard today will help to influence you to be part of said conversation. Take good care. And until next time, be blessed.